Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode eight. This is a special episode. First time having this guest, and he is a really cool guy. You may know him online as Outlaw for. Oh, I almost used your whole name, Outlaw for RC, but you are Outlaw Quadrant. <laughs> yeah, that was, long, that was a long time ago. Ooh, yeah, we can get into that. But yes, welcome to the stream. I am Mordez, and let me allow myself to introduce the awesome Rich Castro, also known as Outlaw Quadrant. Hi, how you doing today? I am doing well, and you? Oh, pretty awesome. Uh, just did some practice earlier for these new manufacturer races, the schedule that we have going. And yeah, man, the, some things changed as far as the uh, the way that the points are given out goes. And it's pretty uh, interesting. It's kind of controversial, I guess. But what do you think? How do you feel about the changes yourself? Uh, I took a look over it this morning and to some extent it does remind me a little bit about the nations format where it only counts a certain amount of the scores but it's a little bit different because with nations you're just racing um, for yourself whereas in manu it looks like they are counting 5 out of 20 but it that's only regarding picking the manufacturer and so in some regards I feel like this is good if you don't have the time to race, um, don't have the time to practice, don't have the time to race every single event. On the flip side, you know, if you have someone in your region also competing for that same menu, then you're still going to need to beat that guy first and then also worry about the menu poison. So there's a, there's a give and take. I do feel like 5 out of 20 is too little, too little for it to yeah. count just because... You know, I think uh, someone else put out a spreadsheet and, you know, trying to see what would have happened if they applied something like that for the preseason and the points are a lot closer. And, of course, that's what people, you know, playing under the old rules. And so with the new one, it is quite possible we're going to get highs and whatnot. So it could be to where it's 5 out of 20, but realistically, you you might need to, at the very least, race all the events in which your menu is going to be good at, but... On the flip side, like I said, you're, you can skip races, and so you have a like a strong Group 4 car, but your Group 3 car is not very good, then you can focus on Group 4 and not worry about Group 3. So, like I said, there's some pluses and minuses. It just depends on um, your situation. It's definitely true. If you're, uh, you know, there are some manufacturers that are lucky in that they, in that they have both a strong 3 and Group 4 car. And so I think it, every ma manufacturer... Uh, even the ones like that, they may have a really terrible, except for like Ferrari. I mean, there's some that have, what I'm just trying to say is like, you're right. Yes. Some, if you focus just on group four, you can get by better than preseason where it was just kind of half and half. But that's good. I mean, in some ways, some people are going to start to shine because there have been physics changes and everything too that, and we've been seeing the results of that but the races are shorter and we'll get back to that coverage on the Gran Turismo Sport kind of thing uh, we, but what I wanted to do first was talk a little bit about your history how long you've been doing Gran Turismo and just allowing everyone to get to know you a little bit better ah yes um, <laughs> how far back should I go um, let's go back to I'm going to go really far back, like, and yeah. I mean really far back. We're talking about 1980-something, and it's kind of weird to start right there, but um, I still re 
like one of my earliest memories is being in a cabin, and I think it was in Las Vegas, if I remember correctly, at uh, up in the mountains, and they had this um, arcade game in the cabin, and it had a racing game of some sort, and I can't remember which one it was. It could have been something involving trucks, but I I can't quite remember what game it was, but I think that was my first real interaction with racing games in general, and I think from that moment on, there was just something about me and racing games that clicked, and so when I first, when I bought my first console like again this is really long time ago so we're talking about nintendo entertainment system or the nes it's way before uh, way before fortnite yeah but um i bought uh excite bike i bought there's like another racing game i can't remember and so that was kind of how it started with racing games in general then i jumped over to genesis i had super monaco gp i had there were a few others in that console as well. And then when I got to the PlayStation, I obviously I didn't really know what Gran Turismo was. No one knew at the time, unless you were reading magazines, like, hey, this new yeah. game is coming out. And to this day, I remember I was at a Walmart looking for a new game because I had some money. And to on one side, you had Metal Gear Solid, which, if I recall correctly, has a very very strange cover like it's not really much of a cover so i didn't even know what that game was and then yeah. next to it was gran turismo and seeing that silhouette of a car made me want to buy gran turismo over metal gear solid and so you could kind of say like if metal gear solid had a better cover then maybe i never would have gone into gran turismo but i'm glad i got into gran turismo <laughs> because i played that game and i remember watching the intro to gran turismo and just of course we're talking about 1990s and so if you look at the intro today it's like wow this looks kind of old but <laughs> back then it was just a mind-blowing oh, piece to yeah, see man. this whole presentation like hey you got the music playing you got the you know the the trailer opening you can see the car coming out and i got hooked i think like the scene that got me like i'm totally in is when you have the blur effect and then the castro supra comes into focus coming right at you it's like damn I love this game already. And yes. so ever since then, I've been... Uh, like I said, I've bought pretty much every Gran Turismo except for yeah. Tourist Trophy and like maybe like some of the oddballs here and there, like the prologues. Like I don't have one of the prologues, but otherwise I have awesome. all of them. And in fact, I even got uh, Kazunori to sign... Uh, he, I got him to sign 1 through 4 and my PS2 console. So, and I still have that. I have it actually. I have it right next to me right now. Like I have it right below me because oh, I've been nice. playing that. Yeah, you bring them over to the events and stuff too, which is, I think is awesome. I tried to. I've tried to. I I did it for Vegas, but we, <laughs> it didn't. It, there was no connection to. They didn't have a. Uh, they had AV inputs, but it didn't work. And then I realized, oh, I need to get HDMI to make it work. And I got it to yeah. work in Paris, and I got. Um, I got like some of the top guys in my room late at night playing Gran Turismo. Like where we're doing license yeah. tests, we were doing uh, a couple of races. It was a, bunch, it was a lot it's of awesome. fun. It's, it's, I mean, it's this different. The feeling must have been different compared to regionals, where it felt like no one had time for that because everything's so serious. But going to World Tours—that's what's so fun about them. It's a lot more laid back. Oh, I think we still would have had time to play. Like I, we had, 
had guys in my room wanting to play the game, like we were ready to go, and oh, just yeah. the, the thing just didn't it didn't work, and so that was a little bit disappointing. But you know, it's kind of one of those things, like you know, we're out, we're all together for a something that most of us enjoyed. I mean, I know like we're gonna be probably gonna be griping about a lot of things, but you know, <laughs> if we didn't if we didn't care about the game, you know, we we could you exactly. know we could just get up and leave and just play Forza or play something else, yeah. but. You know, we're still playing the game, sure. so there's still the passion is still there. It's just That's awesome. Yeah, I would say you were one of the more loyal players of the franchise, and um, you obviously collect them and stuff. So you're a great ambassador for the game, and that's awesome. I mean, what, what, when you were talking about the early your early kind of experience with the franchise, I th- just made me think about how cool, um, how mystical, and kind of larger than life uh, PD was able to kind of paint the the you know motorsports as being this cool uh thing that i don't know to me it always they made it seem almost as fantastical as like dragons the way that they portrayed it you know oh no i mean absolutely i mean just the presentation of everything from the start i mean that's one thing you have to admire the series for is just they do care a lot about how the game looks and just how it's just it's supposed to grab you in and never let you go just to give you this wow factor. Like I said, for a lot of us, that was our introduction to um, a lot of the, you know, obviously the first few games were more focused on Japanese cars, but for a lot of us, that was like our first introduction to like the, to the Supra and the Nissan GTR and the uh, RX-7 uh, WRX, it's just all these cars that, you know, we didn't even know that they were, some of us didn't even know that they existed, but uh, PD had introduced it to us, and like I said, it, you know, it was just the timing of it, too. It's like, you know, you had that game, you had, uh, I think Fast and the Furious came out shortly oh, afterwards. Yeah. It's just, you know, just it's just perfect combinations, like, you know, here's something new, here's something exciting from, um, that you haven't seen before, and it is like, wow, this is, this is, you know, when I was like, 14 at the time, so I was like, wow, this is so exciting, this is something new, it's like, it's just the wow factor, and even today, like, you know, I, honestly, I, I still haven't looked at all the special, you know, you know, they have a lot of great stuff in GT Sport that they want to present to you about the cars in general, I haven't even had a chance to look at them all, but I hope to get around to it one day, because I honestly, I bought the game, I just started playing right away, I didn't even look yeah. at that stuff, but I want to look at it later at some point. Yeah, that was one of those games you just wanted to dive into immediately. Uh, I mean, that's just whenever a game did come out, uh, I would, the first thing I would do is the license test and just get lost into that. And then obviously once GT5 came out, it was all about online. And yeah, then things really changed and the community started growing up and uh, GT Planet was a big uh, part of our of both of our Gran Turismo kind of lives. So. Yeah, I think I think that's how we first. Uh, that's kind of the way we first met, just because they had a. I think it was like I forget what league it was. It was like, I think it was the. I want to say it was the Mazda Roasters. Yeah, I want to say that was they had. A, there was a post out there on GT Planet about Mazda Roasters, and I wanted to get into it because uh, when GT Five came out, that's when I, I had been a pad player up until, uh, I think Prologue, and that's when I had. I think I already had the wheel, but that's when I decided I needed to switch to a wheel. And GT5, you know, GT5 came out, and I was 100%. Like, day one, like, you ditch the pad, go to the wheel. And I, I obviously going to need practice racing against other people because it's obviously it's a, there's a different uh, 
it's a different animal between driving by yourself with a wheel and having to go side by side with other people. And I think I found a thread about Mazda Miatas or something, and that's how I met. I think I met you there, and then a number of people. Uh, Jason some Miller. Of them, yeah. R1600 Turbo is still around, poking around there now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I Yeah, I, I kind of see – it's kind of nice to see some old names come back. That's It's kind of refreshing. Like, I, I think I saw Kuda Man show up, yeah. like, once or Kuda twice. Kuda Man, the first GT Academy champ. Yeah. Yeah, GT Planet's awesome. It's a great uh, collection of people. One day we're going to do a GT Planet-only episode, try to bring some of the uh, the heavyweights from that forum. Uh, it's so dependable and consistent and well-maintained. It's, it's just a really cool achievement of a website. It's been going for you know well over 10 years. Super. I mean, it could be going on 20 years. Yeah, once we're in the 2020s, it's going to... It's, the 20th anniversary is not going to be too far away. So. <laughs> That's just amazing to think that it's been that long already. It's <laughs> kind of uh, it's kind of funny to think. I think I it didn't even dawn on me that Gran Turismo has been out for more than 20 years, and it's like, oh man, now I feel like a really old <laughs> guy out there. It's like like all of these. It, it's been so long that now you got all these up and coming players that are. 15 years younger than me and just <laughs> I can't lie like I can't I don't have much for them but I you know it's not like I'm not going to keep trying yeah exactly you can hang in there and and 16 slots is is a lot even though yeah, when you're considering the top you know uh players you, you can always squeeze in and that's what, well, that's what I love about it even though the Scrizz com- seems well it's 20 in uh FIA but you can always compete uh around there around the top and if something goes wrong for the top guys you know you can always sneak through which is awesome <laughs> but yeah it's all about trying to get better even in, uh, and adapting uh these days to stuff it's just some people are a little quicker for whatever reason but yeah you and i are 30 well i'm 32 you're i'm you gonna to be 35 yours. that's yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna be 35 soon yeah so and we grew up in the same place which is it was really striking to me when i it was over at your parents' place, and it was like in the same neighborhood almost as uh, where I grew up. And we just didn't never really bumped into each other because we were kind of, you know, you would you would be in junior high while I was in elementary, and and so on. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of the kind of those one of those weird things like, oh, we're you know we're close to each other, like uh, me and uh, someone else, you know, he's up in uh, Tacoma, so in the, which isn't too far from where I live, and so it's kind of like, oh, look at that, it's like. I can't, and he, and of course he's faster than me. It's like I can't even be the fastest guy in this state. It's like, come on, I can't get a break. <laughs> well, hey, you're the fastest in your county, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got that going for me. <laughs> that is funny when they allowed you to see the rankings of your county. Suddenly, you're like, oh, I'm so I'm so glad I'm ahead of this dude. Or oh no, he's beating me. He leaves right next to me. It's it's tough to be in California though. Oh my gosh, there's so much competition there. Oh yeah, it that makes me think of the um. I think it was my what what was the GT Academy year where um if you were on the east coast you were pretty much done like you, there was it was just you had no chance because it was broken up in like five oh, six I, regions I, I can't I can't remember that one yeah yeah, I can't, yeah that was a long time ago but anyway yeah I think yeah it goes to show if you can be the king of your state in a big state well it's a lot but I'm in Nevada not much competition here to be honest well I was like I was competition then I 
then I moved, and so we'd oh, now yeah. you're... Just a second. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, that was, man, we had some great races, and I remember the uh, RM models from GT5, the, the cars that had racing oh, yeah, or whatever. I forgot what it stood for, like race modified, maybe? Yeah, something like that, yeah. They had the S14, you had a, pretty much, you know, any of the super popular cars uh, had racing versions, and the Miata had its own, too, which we built a league around, flying Miata Super Cup. Oh uh, yeah, those were man. You know, I, I keep saying like I want that car back just uh, so that I could. You know, but maybe maybe like that was like the one car I felt like really good at. How ridiculous is that? Like take a Miata, make it even lighter. Yes. <laughs> Put roll case, st- add stiffness. All of that equals insane fun. Uh, there was just a story I actually posted on my Twitter. Go to twitter.com. Nah, don't go to the URL. <laughs> just go to at Wardes Racing. Uh, and you'll find the story I uh, retweeted from, I forget his name. But anyway, the, uh, his last name is Rollinson, and mm-hmm. he it was an F1 driver in the 60s and the 70s, and he uh, had terminal cancer, and when he was on his last kind of uh, week or two, he decided to take a Miata to Silverstone and just thrash it around for one last time. That's, that's a nice way to go to do, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of good that you could, you know, Still have the ability to do that, and you know, <laughs> hopefully, we all can do something like that before we go. It's like, okay, go out there and go on the racetrack and just go crazy. Yeah, why not? I would be in, I would be supportive of that big time. I would donate and retweet all all over again. But um, yeah, Miatas. So have you always liked Miatas? Has that always been a particular make? I, I don't. Model? I can't explain it. It's just it's just it's just something with the car that. I was able to drive really fast. I, yeah, I, it's one. It's just it's a very strange um, thing. Like I, I even like one time. Like I think I beat um, one of the U- one of the really fast UK guys in the Miata. Like okay, it was just a practice race, but I was able to keep up with him oh, the man. whole time. And I <laughs> just like I beat I beat him through the line like point oh oh something seconds. Like yes, <laughs> at, least I, at least I was able to do that. But you know, then again, I remember like in that game, it was like the I will admit like the slipstream helped because it was kind of like. Weak oh yeah, slipstream. Yeah, like how weak is now? Yeah, like GTS. how weak is now? Yeah, that used to be what we had to deal with every single race. So Daniel Dodgeland, if you're listening, uh, don't go back in time and play that game. You won't like it. No, no, no. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Like I remember, there was yeah some tracks. It was just like pass fest. Oh yeah, that's Mom. why we liked our city circuits and. Um, like Laguna Seca's you know, tight circuits were were good because then it, that kind of it kind of eliminated that insane toe a bit. Yeah, like uh, Monza, I beat uh, one of my best victories ever was um, beating a. Uh, I know his name was Tony something, but I don't oh, think Tony, he races yeah, anymore. 20, yeah, 13, 11, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was something at Monza. In was it uh, Super GT? I can't remember what car it was, but I still I think I still have the. The, the race clip of that, like the oh, nice. finish of that, but it was like 45 minute race and the slipstream was as such. And so like, Kiki was like a second faster than just about everyone else per lap. But I was, I managed to stay in the slipstream for 45 minutes and I just like, I was right behind him. Like I 45 minutes of racing and I think this was even a pit stop and I was still with him on this, on the slipstream and Coming out of uh, Parabolica, 
this was like the old Monza, and so I think that's the name. That's Parabolica. But it's grass. Oh, yeah, about, yeah, yeah. At the time, there there was still grass. If you go too wide, you don't have the asphalt, and so he mm-hmm. went just a tiny bit wide because it's like he felt. I think he felt the pressure. Like he, I was there. I was like, ran in his bumper. He sensed the pressure. He just pushed it just a wee bit too much. He clipped the grass, and I passed on the wind. That was nice. like I said. That, that, that's like one of my highlights of <laughs> my my Gran Turismo career. Like just yeah, just being able him. to do that. Like even yeah. like I know, I know, Grant, you like Slipstream made it possible, but you know, well, you held on, man. That's, that's yeah, an achievement. Yeah. Yeah, I held on for forty-five minutes, which is like, oh. how did I do that? <laughs> and I can't awesome. even. And of course, the funny thing is, like in GT Sport, I can't even do that. I can't even like unlap one. One of the bad things about myself is that you'll notice, like, if you watch any of my racing clips, like the first lap, whoever's ahead of me is always gonna get away, but like by just over a second, just because for some reason I struggle. I just struggle with the slipstream a lot more in GT Sport than the other in, games. In terms I don't of know dirty why. Air? I think it's partly the dirty air and partly because I, I still think that I know I know this for certain that the tires are colder at yeah, the start. I felt you can't that. really see it, but they are colder and my driving style tends to be a little bit soft and I think it just doesn't warm up like my tires stay colder longer and so I just don't have the grip that first lap and I just struggle and but then once I get go like by lap two it's like okay, I'm fine now, but then of course I'm I get pressure from behind, but that's that's beside the point. Like, cause like, for some reason, slipstream just kind of bothers me in GT Sport. I have no idea why. Uh, things change, man, and you never know uh, what stuff's going to throw you off. So I can definitely feel for you there. Uh, I mean, that can bring us right into these new physics changes, which uh, have kind of divided people, I would say. It's not as nearly uh, universally hated as... Uh, some people thought it maybe some people kind of more indifferent toward it than I, I think than overall uh, compared to any other feeling I guess how was your what was your take on it well the first thing that I noticed was that the of course I'm going to generalize a little bit because I haven't driven all the cars like I, I haven't even touched like the road cars or group one so this is mostly group four and group three I did notice that the entry seems to be more oversteery like it's more eager to turn in but then on the flip side the exits are just a boatload of understeer and like even the cars that generally have understeer like never understeer like the audi ra because i've heard like even the audi r8 is understeering which is just mind-blowing because that thing has just been like i can't drive the r8 at all and I, even i can i was able to feel that was understeering really bad on exit and so it's kind of a matter of do you, if you like. I guess a lot of it just depends on your driving style. Like for me, I think it wasn't as bad because my driving style tends to be uh, the slow in, fast out, like a traditional slow in, fast out method. And so mm-hmm. for me, having that better turn in, and then the understeer, like I, I can, my driving style tends to compensate for that already. And so understeer, like I line it up so I don't have to worry too much about understeer and exit. Like I already factored that in. And so for me, I think it's – I'm probably a little better off with it, but I can certainly understand if you just don't like that understeer and exit. Like, I don't – personally, I don't really like – I kind of like what they did at the entry side of it, but in the exit, I just – I'm not a big fan of it, especially because some of the cars um, – people are saying that some of the cars on exit are just utterly 
um, on rails like the BMW I've heard is it used to be a, a sketchy car on exit and now you could just f- literally floor that car <laughs> and you're just you're just gonna go off you can't spin the car you have to literally work hard on it to spin the car it's like all you're really worried about is undisturbing off the corner which like I said it just depends if you're more concerned about lap times rather than general feel because some you know some people use a uh, a controller and so you're probably not going to feel that but you're, if you're on a wheel you're definitely going to sense a difference of how everything feels and depending on whether you like that understeer on exit just mashing the throttle you might like it you might hate it uh, it's and again i think it really does come down to what style do you have and whether this new physics fit that style and for me it it fits the style, but I can understand why people are not going to like it because I like to think like understeer is not a lot. Oversteer is, you know, it's always an issue, but it's, it's in a way it's kind of fun. It's a nice challenge to have because you can, you can counter that with, you know, okay, correct the wheel or correct the throttle with understeer is like, it just starts pushing and pushing and there's no, you can lift out the throttle and it's still understeer. So it's like, it's kind of like once you get it, it's like, how do you get out of it? You know, you don't really have, that many options so like i said i can understand the frustration out there for some people yeah i'm partial i mean i i don't really mind it too much but i do understand it can make certain cars and certain uh relationships people have with the cars uh upset but i think that's what it boils down to is certain people have uh, an idea in their head of how they want these cars to respond to their driving and and now that's kind of been uh, jolted so yeah i think people will eventually kind of grow around it and realize it's whatever um when you were talking about it earlier just uh, it made me think of the idea that uh, these cars with the the update that just happened does it to you would you say that it almost feels like now we have uh the cars feeling like they have um a harder a harder compound in the front versus the rear Kind of like um, pre-update. I I mean I guess you could say that, but then it, it wouldn't quite explain the entry of it, the entry side of it, because I, of course, now with more time behind the wheel, I'm starting to forget how the old physics felt like. But I did, or the reverse, then maybe it's a softer tires in the front, harder in the rear. I, it's almost like I don't think it's. Uh, <sighs> I don't think it's really that because otherwise it would just be understeering more in general. But then oh, you oh, got... it's not not yeah, not saying that they did that, but um, it's it feels as if you had the it, it, you know like you were to because some people in the last se- in the preseason actually did that to have competitive you know for strategy, and it didn't feel that different. But I don't know, just a little silly idea. Yeah, I guess I guess it, it is to some extent. It does feel like that. I mean, and of course, it doesn't help that. Uh, with the changes in the format, like uh, one thing that I noticed right away with that is that they got they stopped using softs completely, and so you don't have that direct comparison. But I did I did do I did do tests with the softs with comp uh, with the c- combos that uh, we had done uh, right before the change. Like it was I think it was like the Monza Nations and. I forget the other one. It might have been... Oh, I think it was Autopolis. So I kind of had those two 
to compare because I just done those combos and then they changed everything and I like I said the first thing that I noticed was that entry felt different like looser but then the exit is just boatloads of understeer and uh, with and of course the tire wear was also changed so that was another thing and how I, I used the Mustang for Nations which by the way was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed that oh I had the brake balance all the way to the rear just so that I have even tire wear but now it's like, I, I have it that way. It's like, nope, you're going to burn up the rear if you do that. So you got to dial it back. But like, like I felt, oh, the Mustang feels even better on exit now than it did before. So I don't need that brake balance anymore. So like I said, it's, again, it's, it's down to how you want the car to feel. But like my two, my two cents always been like, understeer is no fun. And I don't want more of it. And so why you give me more, give me more of it? No, I want... Yeah, I want my cars to break loose on exit, but then that that because some of the arguments people are making is that it kind of reduces the challenge of the game overall to where the, oh now you can just mash the mash the throttle on exit. There's, there's no there's no need for finesse. It's just oh everyone can do it, and so you can't really gain an advantage or you know it's less about driver skill than just oh just do this and then everyone can run the same lap times, and so that's. I can understand that side of it too. Yeah, because you still get caught out if you don't have a proper entry. Uh, yeah, it's like a little bit easier to get on the throttle, but you, if you're going too fast when you hit the throttle, I mean, a perfect um, counterpoint there is the first race we did with the new physics, which was uh, round 10 of, or the final rounds. Was it, what was it? In Nations, it was round what? Oh, my I don't know some shit. Something I don't. Know. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't touch it, so I. I don't remember. Well, the only, the one I'm referencing is uh, the only one I've done, which was round ten of the preseason for manufacturer series. Oh, Maggior. At Maggiore, and uh, the counterpoint there is turn three. Or wait, wait, one, two, three, four. The right hander. That's kind of like a little bull. Talking about the uphill right hander. Yes. I hate that corner. <laughs> it already it already is understeer there. So it already <laughs> for me that's like that's like the F corner for me cuz like even before the physics update like that was just understeer city for me I can no, never it was get the line right. Yeah. And now and, like even worse like why? It's worse in some sense but it it felt it felt nice um because if you did get your entry right and your mid corner speed right and you got on the power it felt like you could get on it a little bit sooner, and yeah, it understeered if you got it wrong, but that would be your fault because you're too comfortable with a nice turn-in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you're going in too fast, then it compromises your exit. So it's uh, showing the guys that had bad habits uh, where those habits uh, need correcting, you know? But I, I had a fun time uh, with that one. But what I won't have a fun time with is if the BOP update... That may or may not happen tomorrow or today, because <laughs> we we are talking on June fourth, and there's maintenance tonight, right? Oh yes, it's um, it's like oh, just all of a sudden, just oh, there's maintenance coming up, and of course, you know, it may be like the physics where we don't really get a warning about what's going to happen, and then boom, it's like we fix this and this and this, and then line like the fourth item, it's oh, we cut, oh, by the way, we changed the physics. Yeah. So it could be not. It could just be. Could we're just speculating here? It could just be a 
well, let's get everything ready for the regular season. But of course, I think everyone wants bop changes. Yeah, it's either going to be housekeeping or home wrecking. You know, that's kind of that's kind of tension. That <laughs> I love the way you put that. That's great. <laughs> so we don't know, but uh, going back, so for future, you know, for future listeners, uh, so you know which update we're, in particular we're talking about, it's uh, one point three nine. And it released on May 30th. And one of the other features, I haven't really heard many people talk about this. Did you notice the, um, the shifting being better, faster, Oh, uh, supposed to be reduced. Honest, honestly, I don't. Are we talking about the That's road it. cars? Because I, I, I guess I, you feel it more in the road cars, right? I, I I'm, I'm guessing. I haven't really, honestly, I haven't really tried road cars since the update. So I'm. I'm going to guess this in that area because I, obviously yeah. there's some cars that, you know, like you, you could tell, like, for example, in the world tours, like some cars are just utterly awful because you you push it and then it takes like two to three seconds to upshift while someone else is like, bam, instant. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's, that's the upgrade that they're, that they refer to. But like I said, I mean, in a race car, you, you know, you just push the paddle or yeah. whatever and you don't really... I don't think ever, I don't think anyone's ever complained about the shifting, and at least with regard to the race cars. Right. I mean, and it was in a, uh, it was a, an update or fix or whatever to address the whole problem that people had where they were taking advantage. Oh, uh, okay. You're talking about the, um, uh, okay. You're talking about the shifter. Where people, some people have the shifter with the, for example, with the G29, yeah. you can buy a shifter for it, and that was sort of faster. Uh, yeah, so because what it actually says in the update itself is the time required to perform shifts with a paddle shift or a controller when the transmission is set to manual has been reduced. So some might assume that that what it that did was bring the shifting with paddles down to the same kind of responsiveness as doing it with the okay uh, you know sequential shifter. Right? Okay, okay, Maybe. like I, I, the or perfect example. Yeah, the perfect example would be the Expo because that was that's the one car in which. You definitely notice the difference between if you had a sh- you know you had the shifter and accessory the Ferrari, and you didn't. Oh yeah, that well. too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I haven't had time. Did you look at the? Well, it's one of my favorite threads on GT Planet, and one of the one good reason to go there is there's always a thread that's that covers undocumented changes. Oh yes, I do look at that from time to time. And for one point three nine. Uh, there hasn't really been too much. They just they just noticed that shifting with the clutch has been adjusted, so now you can power shift, and the indicator, the gear indicator will show a pound sign or a hashtag <laughs> <laughs> uh, until it changes to the selected gear. Releasing huh. the clutch will no longer miss the gear. Hmm. So, besides that, there's a lot of spe- speculation and placebo lights in. In the forum, and that thread, thinking things changed when they didn't. I think this tree moved over there. Do y'all see that? No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, back to scary to talk about this uh, maintenance notice. Uh, if a BOP does change, uh, do you think it'll ruin everything? And. <laughs> Well, I think if you look at the past, I mean, sometimes they've actually addressed a couple things correctly, uh, and other times they do a change that either makes no sense or 
it's so far left field. It's like, oh, they changed uh, one example of a like. What was this change? Is I remember when the nine eleven got. I think it was like a one percent increase in power because I think some were complaining that it was a little bit too slow in the straight, and then magically, oh, Porsche an extra percent of power, which it was already OP at that point, and now you're just adding more power to it, like. You can't. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> why would you do that type of thing? And then you know, you always get the weird ones like, oh, we change. Like, uh, I'm trying to, to think of a hypothetical one, like a car that no one ever touches. Like, I don't know, like maybe the Cit- like, 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 let's say like the Citroen. Like, no one, like, unless you're doing like a, um, I think one of the daily races is using Citroen, but otherwise, like, no one touches it in uh, Manu FIA. But let's let's just say, oh, okay, oh, by the way, Citroen gained up uh, 1% of weight. And it was like, no, one, no one's even touching it, and now you're making it even worse. I don't... <laughs> it literally makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. But I, I, like I said, I do hope that they do, they do make... I, I think part of the thing is that uh, just doing power and weight changes alone isn't going to fix some of the issues with the cars. Like, for example, I used to drive for Subaru, or as I have coined it, and now everyone seems to be using it, Slowbaru, because yeah. that thing is tragic on the straights. Now, well, you, the, know, you know what a Subaru spelled backwards is? I have not... I'm it's not going to look it up. You're a bus. <laughs> you're a bus. <laughs> well, it doesn't drive like a... Well, at least the Group 3 does not drive like a bus. It actually handles... Well, at least in the old physics, I haven't touched the touch it with a new one like the old one actually drove pretty well like it was one of the few cars I actually like driving around fuji because i hate i hate fuji with a passion but that, that was on the mm-hmm. one of the few cars which i felt really good at, at fuji but oh, yeah. uh, you know on the, on the straight you literally could be drafting behind someone the entire straight from you know the last corner all the way to the first corner and you can't even you can't even swing around to pass it was that bad hmm. but it's an interesting point i think i don't think Subaru's ever getting gotten a fair shake in the Gran Turismo series. Um, certain ones are fun, like the 22B, um, yeah. like with the older ones. But whenever you have, like, I remember in the in GT5, the um, GT300 class had their Subaru, and no one ever really used that one. And it was kind of it kind of always felt weird to drive. But the Evo would always be better. You know, like the Evo would always win in straight up fights. It seemed like. Yes. I remember that, yes. But maybe, I don't know, you never know. Like, I always have have these weird uh, conspiracy theories in my head where I'm like, oh, someone at the studio, someone at PD hates this car. They, they must hate this whole make. It's like, does PD hate French car manufacturers? They can't, right? They just, some, <laughs> some of them are great, but others are just super weirdly strange uh like the peugeot uh, i know you're sticking with peugeot uh well that's still yeah up in the air but you went with peugeot for the preseason and uh you're gonna stick with it would you most likely yes despite like i said there's still um still fixes that need to be made but uh, like i was alluding to earlier that i don't think uh, power and weight changes alone is gonna fix it because like with the RZ said the tire wear, the front tire wear is really bad. Like even with the changes that they did with the manual, like okay, harder compounds, lower tire wear. Now 
instead of oh your t- your tires just fall off a cliff right away some now it's some cars actually go faster over a stint it's kind of like a bell curve you know you start out here you get a little bit faster mid stint and then you only start falling off at the end but the RZZ is like you start here and it just starts going down and down and down and then it just kind of the last lap or two it just falls off a cliff in terms of lap time and to me that's not something that's something you can't fix with oh we're going to lower the weight or we're going to lower the power because again the is the fundamental problem is that the, the front tires are doing all the work and over time that wear becomes kind of goes like an exponential curve and so with some cars i think i know i've seen it in the past where they put in the notes that hey we changed the tire wear rate on certain cars and i feel that that's what needs to be done on the rzz on yeah there's precedent yeah like on the rzz like the front tires they have you have to i think like i'll just use that for one example like i think you can reduce the power on that on that car like two to three percent lower the weight one percent but then give it much better front tire wear and it'll be fine like it doesn't need to be super mega fast and just annoy everyone on the straight because you can't pass the damn thing <laughs> even yeah. though we'll probably have to do anyways but like like for that car needs to have a change i know like the group 4 gtr like i drove it and that there's just similar issues like it's it, the handling is terrible the front wear is terrible um, another car that I've been mentioning all around, the Group 4 McGann, which, uh, not the fast one, obviously, because that's, it's, it's in a similar way with the RZZ, but the regular McGann, the, the McGann Trophy, which, for people that remember a long time ago, that used to be, like, the super OP car. Yeah. You know, like, I still remember Racing Suzuka with nothing but McGann's in it, but, like, that car is now, I feel like that car used to, it actually scored a lot of great points in preseason but that was because everyone's tires went off a cliff and that car just had great tires all the way around you didn't you know you could have qualified like well in the back but then yeah. you could just stay out not pit and then you're going to finish second or third and that's how they got all their points by the way that's if, if people are wondering why renault finished almost made it to the top toes because of group four because they were able to employ that strategy but now a lot of these combos look like you don't even need to pit anymore. And like mm. I said, the tire wear is a lot better. And so the problem with that, with that McGann is now it doesn't have the speed to qualify. And the one advantage, the the huge advantage it does have, it's no longer relevant to that car. And it's never going to be by the time that the, you know, oh, maybe it's going to start going faster with the lower fuel rate. The race is already over because I timed, I already did a few practice races. They're not even, now it's not even, 15 minutes long like one was like 13 40 something it's like these are super short races and so it's to where if you have a car that doesn't have qualifying speed and it take it, it relies on great tire wear for it to gain positions i think they're those cars are in trouble and like to like for those cars they probably do need something like a power increase but even then i i still remember trying to work something out with the group four uh WRX and I found that I kept increasing the power and it didn't seem to do it much good for some reason that it's probably because some it might be with downforce or something like that but I feel like it needs to be a more comprehensive change to either make some cars a lot worse with wear or reduce downforce but still keep the same handling it's just I don't know it's it's 
I'm really hoping for a Bob change tonight, but you know, given the history of Bob changes, like it might fix a few things, but it yeah, might. It's going to be opening a. It's going to be opening Pandora's Bob. Because you won't be able to close it again, and lots of <laughs> for everything that goes that gets fixed or goes well, another thing will go horribly bad. Yeah, yeah. We already have people picking. Uh, at least at the time of this podcast, you know, the update hasn't been not even been out yet. You got oh, people already picking manufacturers. Like, uh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do it until after yeah, you well, know for sure there's us. no bop changes. And but of course, there could be a bop change between uh, in between, which sounds ridiculous. But you know, if PD is willing to change the physics. Right before the last race of exhibition, which materially altered the result of it, then you never know. Yeah, it's uh, really tough to uh, predict what's going to happen, and but it's definitely unwise to pick a manufacturer now, especially uh, now that people have been practicing since this uh, new schedule came out, mm-hmm. and certain cars have been lighting up leaderboards and. Then people get excited and you know sign their year away, uh, but things might not stay stay the same. It's a it's a it's a it's a dice roll for sure. We don't know what's going to happen tonight, so I'll be excited to talk about the fallout and the next episode. But uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the shakeup of uh, manufacturer picks. And I wanted to ask you why uh, you're staying loyal to Peugeot and uh, why yourself wouldn't be considering a change to maybe another. Because uh, did you find it uh, disappointing that no one else in different regions really went for it? Or what do you think Peugeot needs to kind of get up there? Well, part of the rationale with Peugeot was that I knew that exhibition was going to be a struggle with the Group 4 car. But... The with Group Three, you have you actually have two choices. You have the RZZ, which is uh, actually a pretty good handling car in its own regard. It's not a bad car. It's just it's a little bit slow, and I tend to be more I tend to do better with power cars and with handling cars for some reason. That's it's kind of a weird thing with me. It's, and I tried out the VGT, and I still I think the first time that I noticed that this car isn't that bad is. Training for regionals in Vegas last year. I think that was the first time that I remember that, hey, this car isn't that bad. Because I I drove it around Dragon Trail. And even when we were in Vegas, you know, we had to pick our cars. Like, I had the VGT on my list. Like, hey, if this car's gone, this car's gone, I'm going to go with the VGT. Like, I was this close to actually picking it for... Uh, Dragon ah. tra- for Dragon Tales because like hey, this car's not bad like it's, I mean <laughs> yeah it's for, just wide for MR yeah it is wide. wide I will admit that that is a pro like that's like the literally the big issue with it but otherwise <laughs> for an MR car it handles okay the that like all the M- all the other MR cars for um, Maggiore just died like they had no chance and my car was like oh I could push on until the last lap like okay the last lap was a little bit sketchy but that like I had to break balance at zero. I could have shifted it to two or three and be like, oh, I'll just live with it. But I, I, I didn't like the feel of the car with negative brake balance there. And so I was like, oh, let's leave it at zero. I'll just deal with like the last lap and that's fine. Like, And I, I did really well. Like I, like I said, I, I might have been able to win that race if I didn't pull up my cue. But again, like I said, I think that car is actually that bad. And uh, hey, I, I somehow won uh, a top split race, which uh, that's the first time in like, I don't know, like, since, I don't know, last millennium that I won. Top <laughs> split FIA, like, I beat 
really good guys out there. Now, grant you, it was a combo in which the the thing was like almost a second faster than everyone else, but the fact that I was able to do it anyways is just oh, it's it's like tough. damn, I still did it. And I was, was like, great. I was really happy with that, and and so I I felt like oh you know this car is gonna do really well on the power tracks, and even on the like even as Suzuka like I, at Suzuka I finished seventh like I like wow you would expect the big big pug boy to go out there and finish seventh out there against the top guys like yeah I did it I, I got it up to seventh. You know, yep. no, one's, no one's gonna pass you through the S's, and no one's gonna pass me through the S's. I mean, the thing is <laughs> wide, and and you know, it's gonna, it's, it does, it, the car doesn't have too much drama other than um, first and second gear is kind of iffy, and again, yeah. the width you have to be, you have to be, you kind of have to be mindful of how you drive the car, um, at narrow places. But otherwise, like it's a, I think it's an underrated car, and of course I say that, and then they're gonna nerf the thing to death <laughs> tonight. Yeah, right. But Actually, um, as of this uh, podcast, I I might have some people on board now, especially with the rule changes that um, basically act, we could ride, we could get into, you know, there's a possibility that we don't have to worry about the RZZ. Like, we don't need to drive that thing, or we could just drive it just to keep our points up for individual standings. And, you know, all of our results will be in Group 3. We're all going to use the VGT, or hey, maybe we can get enough people even more people on board than maybe some of them can use the RZZ and be like a co-opetition type of deal where, okay, like we'll score good here, but then there's one or two tracks where you'll score good there. Well, at the very least, like Pujo's going to make, you know, it's going to sneak in there and then see who the better man is. You know, that's kind of the idea that I had when I picked it. Of course, I knew, of course, back then, we didn't know about the five rounds out of 20 of the other. And so, uh, I can't lie, like that was a godsend to me. Like once that came out, I was like, "Damn, this yeah. this could actually work." Like that was like the that was like bit. the one thing that I I didn't even think about. Like, it was the one thing that we needed, and I got it. it was like now I got something to sell. And like I said, I think I got some people on board now. And so awesome. my 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 deal about oh I'm going to you know obviously I'm going to su- suffer through the uh, preseason, but to me like I want like I've already done some of the world tours. I want to get to finals. Like, yeah. I'm willing to sacrifice, I sacrificed, uh, what, New York for this, for this yep. idea. And, you know, uh, if, you know, even if it doesn't pan out, like, just the fact that I got people to actually, you know, if I can get people to buy into it and get to do it, it's like, damn, that's, it's kind of nice to see your idea come to fruition and, you know, hopefully sure, it's right? going to work out. Like, like I said, there's some, uh, I think, you know, if there's already, uh, uh, Lasarth on the schedule, so that's going to oh, be yeah. good there. And then if there's any Tokyo layouts, you know that they're going to throw a Tokyo, a Tokyo, one Tokyo two out there. That's going to be even better. Like that's going to be another strong track or saying, you know, they do another St. Croix. Then that's, that's already like, that's already right there. Like three, out of, like there's already three uh, chances to get really top, really good scores or even to win like max points. Yeah. But then that also makes it super important for, you to capitalize on the strong tracks because it'll yeah they'll be depressing to have like you know a string of bad races at a track that really likes the car or vice versa oh no i get that i mean that's kind of like i said it is a risk that we're doing like we have to rely on strong combos but again kind of the way i see it like the way that they reset the rules like i think it does hurt it's all about scoring max like the maximum amount of points and if you're with a menu that's like, oh, it does, it does good here and there. It does good here and there. It's like it's pretty like above average, average to above average, but it can't score. It can, it could, 
is probably not going to win anything, then you might actually be in trouble just because so few rounds count now, at least in terms of for the for the menu standings that it's kind of like, can you really rely on that strategy now? Like, oh, let's just be consistent throughout the season. That might not work now. Yeah, I get you. You might, and you might, you like, you might, like I said, it the 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 with Pug, it might be okay. It might be meta in two or three play, like maybe in a few tracks or like near the top. But that's that might be all we need. Yeah, true. And this is a good opportunity to get into um, explaining the new changes. Um, so they were just released today. It was worded sort of loosely as far as what has changed. But um, the, the headline was that the global manufacturer rankings, points, calculation changes. Um, so this is starting off with stage one, which starts this weekend, uh, the 8th of June. And instead of every round counting toward um, the global manufacturer ranking like in preseason, now it's um, the top five out of uh, 10 or 20 rounds. So what I'm imagining is the first three rounds are going to be pretty much as it was in preseason in terms of scoring points, uh, zero to 40 system. But once you get past three rounds, it's going to start only counting the best three and then best four as time goes on. Uh, but some of that is speculative because, like I said, the explanation was sort of loose and not incredibly detailed. So there still may be some sort of details that are going to start to show show themselves once we get racing and once we get you know decently into this first season but um the one thing i don't know if you were able do you know if the um i know because the individual score is going to be different but um is i wonder if the individual um, score for each season is going to be three out of ten still i don't my the way that i read it i it it only refers to the global manufacturer standings and so i think someone brought up uh, that point and to the way I understand it is that yes like at least in terms of which manufacturer is going to go to world tour slash finals it is just going to be X out of Y but in terms of okay let's say your region like okay this region this manual gets to go you still need to beat whoever else you're competing against for your manual like for example if um, Lightning uh, with EMEA, like he's with Slowbrew. Like, let's just say a this a, this other alien comes out of nowhere and challenges him for Slowbrew as well. Then yes, I mean, most likely Slowbrew is going to qualify. You know, let's just assume that they're going to qualify. Slowbrew qualifies, and EMEA is one of the regions it gets to go. Lightning will still need to outscore this other alien in order to advance and. The way that I'm reading, I don't see anything that says for individuals is only X out of Y. And so, in a way, like, you're in a good spot if you're in a good menu and you don't have anyone challenging you for that menu. But if you have competition, like, I could say, I could foresee this in Europe. Like, they're, they're, they might still have to be racing the majority of the season because they have to stay ahead in points against anyone that they're competing against in the, in the same manual. And so I know there's going to be a lot of situations like that, especially for 
a lot of the more, more popular menus. Whereas, like for example, in I, I don't I hate picking an, I hate picking an Oceania. So let's say uh, Central South America, mm-hmm. Central South America. Like if you pick one manufacturer and you're the only one, you know, mo- good chances like you're the only one that picked it. And so you're going to have a far, you know, you could probably just get away with doing like seven or eight races because all the other guys are spread apart. And the one person you're competing against is like, let's say it's like an A rated or B rated driver. And so it's going to be pretty easy to stay ahead of them in individual points. And that way, you know, if your manual gets through a year and, you know, and your region gets to go, then it's like, okay. Perfectly, you know, it's perfectly fine. Don't have to worry about anything. Right. So I, I can confirm that it is a top three. Yeah. Oh yeah, and of course you have to compete against. Um, obviously, you're also competing against other regions. But I, I think you probably have an easy. Obviously, you can have an easier time scoring max points on some regions than, but like again, Europe. Or yeah, Europe is going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, and I think the tall, you know, the points different because in the first, in this preseason, um, the gaps between places were in, you know, like the hundreds or so of points or, or just like 50 or so. And I think it's going to be reduced to like single digit gaps and points between first, second, third, fourth, and so on. So every little, every single little point is going to really make a difference. So people are, I think, are going to be even more competitive. And in ultra-competitive regions like Europe, it's just going to get mad. And now um, it's it does reduce the uh, issue that um, regions, highly contested regions like Europe, uh, Middle East, Asia, uh, Africa had, which was the whole thing with people taking their DR to stay in lower-tier rooms or lower splits so they could uh, get a, uh, more of a chance of a podium and do better than the top, you know, than if you were to place in this top, you know, six or whatever in the top tier room only, uh, sorry, not top six, but if you were only placing five or below, then it's actually better to get a win in the, in the room, in the split up below that. And that's not so much of a factor now because, uh, you have to score, uh, it's, it's going to be the five out of 20 and you, there's, there's going to be a lot, you you do have to you're going to have to depend on getting a high score in order to really make those manufactured points. I would say well. yes and no. It just depends if your car is like one of the strongest at a certain combo. Like if you know like you can't, there's no way you can score forty. Like like let's, let's say like like Lasart. Like if you have a handling car, then I don't know. Like I, I could see people employing like, for example, like maybe if it's a good strong couple, then they're gonna raise up their DR to get to this top split room. But then if it's a bad combination, well, they might skip it, or they know one's coming up, they might tank their DR so that they're in a lower split. And it's like, okay, I know there's no chance we can get forty, but I still want like thirty-two or something like that, just in case, because you never know. Like I said, it's only 5 out of 20, but realistically, you're probably going to need to do a lot more races just because it might come down to tiebreakers and then other factors come into play. And so you never know. It's good that they aren't going to make it. uh, They weren't going to. They got rid of the advantage that people had in preseason. And those that had an advantage were people that could just 
through every single round. And now that is not so much of a factor, which is good, but it also makes it more difficult for everyone at the same time because you really do have to try hard to get a top three position uh, or get a you know top five position, whatever, in the top room. Um, and who knows how population is going to be affected also. I mean, some people might be turned off by the thing entirely and or not. I mean, it's hard to predict. It's really difficult to, to see. But after the first sta- uh, round of the first stage, um, there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah, definitely. People are going to be moving. There's going to be shock changes in manufacturer picks. There's going to be um, new people coming out of the word work, some people quitting altogether. So... It's uh, they, if they wanted a shake-up, they really got one, gotten one. If that was a goal. Oh, they did. Uh, I just hope that it doesn't come, doesn't end up like nations where, I mean, look at this. We, we, we've had most of our discussions have been about Manu. Like no one talks about nations anymore, just because, for the most part, it's kind of already been decided. And that's kind of that's kind of like the like I said, that's kind of like the fear that I have is that people are just gonna quit and then, then it's gonna it might tilt things in someone's favor because certain people just stop playing and that's kind of the the one one of the fears that we have do have with the five out of 20 again because just because there might not be any uh real incentive to play anymore and that's you know that's unfortunate like i probably don't have to address it here but like nations is just a like i even i decided i i don't really want to do a nations anymore what's the point type of thing and that's kind of the thing that i don't i'm worried about the changes that that are making might lead to that for Manu as well, and that's just not that's just not good for the game overall. You need the people there to support it, and you know, I just hope that this doesn't drive people too many yeah. people away over the long run. Yeah, I'm definitely concerned about that too, um, because what would be really tragic is if uh, Manu points the rooms for for point or. The points totals, scoring possibilities in the first few rounds or the first stage, they could be decent. But then once everyone feels like, oh, you know, this manufacturer has five insane um, scores, so why should I even go into stage two very much? I hope that what doesn't happen is that stage two becomes more of a, or the points kind of go away because less people are contesting it. And then at that point, it does become impossible to overtake the guys that scored well on the first stage. Well, the upside is that, what, of course, the dif- the, at least the one big difference is that with Nations, it is the raw score that comes into play and so someone that scores like 3,000 points and now you can't score 3,000 points anymore, then yeah, there's no point. But at least with Manu, it's like you, you, no matter which round it is, the top score is 40 points and so you still, you might, you still have an incentive to play Later on, because like, oh, this guy's got five four like three forties already, and only have one, but there's still five races left. I can still score forty like the max points in the last few and catch up. So at least in that regard, it's it's better, and maybe they should try something similar with. I'm digressing, but maybe they should think of something similar for nations in the future to have it so that different point systems so as to. You know, you could still you still have an incentive to play because right now you really don't in certain regions. Like it's pretty much decided. Yeah, it seems like the only place where it's um, contested are certain countries that don't have much uh, top flight talent, I guess. But 
besides that, yeah, I mean, how how bad were the scores toward the end of that last season there? I'm trying to think with Nations. Yeah, I think top somebody said top score was like a t- 2000. Yeah, uh to at least for North America like the top score like the top scores like 27 2800 points or something around that range and now it's not even I I I, I didn't touch the last Nations combo, but I think maybe like maybe 2000 at most for the best room and that's just not you can't do anything with that score. It's useless. I I think someone in uh, Oceana said, now it's, okay, I won three out of the last four races, and none of them beat my scores from, you know, it was, those points aren't even good enough for third in the first few races in Nations. It's like, it, what's the incentive there? Like, these guys, that, that's kind of the thing. It's like, the top guys can just stop playing, and now you pretty much prevent anyone else from overscoring you, and that's, you know, it's a huge flaw with the nation system as it stands because, again, you just don't have. There's no motivation to play, and I was, I was kind of hoping that maybe, for the world tours, like okay, it's gonna be round like for this one, it's gonna be rounds 11 through 20. But from what I've been told, that's not the way it works. It's it's taking all the scores, rather than just a certain rounds, and that's not. I, I really I hope. Like I said, I I don't have an incentive to play anymore other than hey, I like this combo. I'm just gonna run it. Type of thing. Yeah, me either. I share the same exact sentiment. Have you done any super cup stuff? I did two, and <laughs> I decided this is not for me because yeah, number CIA. one, um, I actually switched from a G29 to a TGT, and for some reason, I feel like I'm far slower with the TGT with road cars like that's a whole road car by the way that's a complete like i can go off for another hour on on road cars and gt sport but i'll just skip that for now but um number one like i struggle with that car and number two uh i haven't followed some of the later ones but it's all you just put it on fuel map three or four you save the tires just go out there you just run your laps and you can't really overtake it's kind of hard to overtake. It's just a train. It's like a 20 minute, 15, 20 minute train and nothing really happens. It's like, that's not, this is not racing. Like we're not going flat out. There's no strategy. There's no real strategy involved. It's kind of just, you know, at least with the many, like the, with the many races, you're, well, for most of us, you can go flat out and not worry about tire wear and fuel and whatnot. But Super Cup is like, it's kind of like a Sunday drive and you're not getting anything done. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm not, there's no way for me to, to to score enough points, and so I I stop playing. And besides, right. I mean it's already you already got Manu, and if you you're still involved in nations, you got to practice for that. And now you got the third thing on top of it, which is road <laughs> yeah, cars. It's, it's just it's just too much. Yeah, it really is. That's why I, I am having fun living life of single series bachelor. I'm single, guys. I only go for one. This is a different definition of being single. (laughs) (laughs) But on that note, we will leave this podcast as a success. We'll mark it as a success. And uh, I'd like to say that I had a lot of fun doing this first podcast with you, Rich, man. And I really hope you can come around for another one. We'll have a little party with Tristan or some other crazy Gran Turismo addict. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you have a... Good evening up there in your Pacific Northwest living butt self. Well, and Pacific Northwest until 
Um, I'm actually going to go to F1 Montreal oh, this yeah. weekend. So yeah, that's going to be exciting because I figured I figured that I probably not going to, in case I don't go to another world tour. Like I want to at least go like go out there on my own. Like I know it's going to cost a lot that's of awesome, money, man. but yeah, I love it. That's, yeah. Montreal. Le- learn a little French. You know, wee oui, wee, oui, non non, whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know nothing other than wee oui, wee oui and. That's what you say when you see uh, Mercedes uh, break down in front of your eyes. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> oh, you're a Mercedes fan? <laughs> oh, you could say I, I. It's kind of weird that I say that I am, even though they're dominating and I normally don't like. I start hating teams that start dominating, but <laughs> Me too. Well, I'm a Lewis fan. Uh, I used to be a Mercedes fan, sort of. I was more of a McLaren fan for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then when uh, they kicked Ross Braun out, I was really upset, and I hated Toto Wolff for a couple years, and now I'm okay with him, but I don't like Mercedes as much as I like Lewis, and I follow Lewis, so I like when Mercedes wins, but I don't rub it in people's faces, put it that way. Yes. Yes, but you'll have fun, and I do hope for more of a close fight between the two giants, but uh, it seems like <laughs> it's just uh, really, really No, tough. it's just like... It's kind of like with, you know, GT Sport with the bob completely broken. It's like, <laughs> here you go. The Alpha Force he just drives into the sunset and everyone else is just <laughs> money fighting for scraps. It's, it's money, man. Uh, nobody spends more than they do. So it boils down to in the end. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's great, man. You're going to meet up with Defson, a lot of the Turismo family, and that'll be cool. Get to see them and hang out with them. Hopefully not... Uh, get recruited and no, i'm just kidding <laughs> no uh, one thing i want i'll note before we end like one of the things about me one of the big things about me is that i try to keep myself independent and so yeah i don't yeah. I, I don't it's like, it's like okay i'm a fan of this and that but I, I i try not to associate with the team or whatnot just so that if anyone has an issue it's like oh this guy is independent like this guy will speak his mind this guy isn't <laughs> true. i mean i might have certain biases here and there's like oh, i like this guy but you know even the guys that are like like Dude, you're great, but this was wrong. Like I, I'm willing, I'm willing to do that, and I always like to portray that out there. And so, for the, I'll probably say is, I, I have a feeling that they'll probably try to recruit me, but you know, it's. Oh, that's cool. I'm just though, going I, think you, I, I think you would fit in, but it would be. It, it's a great group, but it would be funny. It, it'd be a funny way to initiate. You <laughs> initially yeah, initiated into a, a club. Like they take you go to a race, hang out with them, and then they pour you know uh, Canadian beer and maple syrup down your throat, and you're in. <laughs> probably <laughs> but yeah uh so again second time we're saying goodbye but this is the final one thanks so much for joining me for this episode outlaw have a great night take care everyone everyone yes please do take care and uh looking forward to hearing feedback from you and for you to join us for the next one so until then keep an eye on the uh manufacturer picks and uh, drop us a line anywhere that we have a link for that in the description and all that does uh, feedback is super important look out for us on iTunes coming very soon and goodbye thank you <laughs>